Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome to another edition of Mean Streets, powered by FTN, right here on Game Plus Network, live on our FTN Network YouTube page, presented by So Rare. Chris Meany hanging out with you on this Friday. Appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me as well. If you're watching live, smash the like button. If you have any comments, any questions, you can leave them there in the YouTube section. If you're watching on Game Plus Network, listening on iTunes and Spotify, you guys can always hop on over to the YouTube section and reach out at any moment. Also, DMs are open. Slide on in at Chris Meany. Tis the season. For fantasy baseball, I have Justin Mason stopping by. He's the creator. We've talked a lot about him over the past couple of weeks. Super, super great dude. Also a sharp baseball mind. He's the creator of the great fantasy baseball invitational, which we've been talking about a lot on this show over the past couple of weeks. I'm super excited uh, for Justin to come in and chop it up a little bit. Talk about TGFBI, how it started. Uh, what it's all about. He's uh, doing some great things as well behind the scenes. He's also the co-host of a podcast over at Fangraphs, the Sleeper and the Bus podcast. Fantastic stuff. So really looking forward to uh, chopping it up with just Justin in just a little bit. And we are going to dive into round seven, the ADP of NFBC leagues over the last six weeks or so. Take a look at the players going in that round, who maybe Justin likes, doesn't like. We'll talk about the overall strategy uh, when it comes to high stakes leagues and fantasy baseball drafts. Also going to take a look at the NL West, mostly the San Francisco Giants. I do believe uh, he follows every team very closely, but I think the Giants may be a little bit closer to his heart than other teams. We'll see. I, I actually like that. It's like, I don't find anybody comes in here and they're, they're homers with their, their, their players or their teams. We saw Matt Modica come on yesterday and talk up the Mets, but like also, you know, poke some holes in the roster and some players as well. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation. There's a lot of NFL news breaking today. Of course, free agency is this weekend on Sunday. So on Monday will be a busy show talking about a lot of players changing teams. And last week we've seen, you know, some teams place the franchise tag on, on certain players. Of course, they're not exclusive to Lamar Jackson, still waiting on what happens with Lamar. And I just think this guy is asking for the world. I really do feel like the relationship could be close to over between Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. But at the same time, and I feel like they want him. I feel like they need him. They desperately want him. A lot of the players inside the, the clubhouse and the locker room have spoken out like, publicly spoken about how much they want him and they want to, you know, have him part of the long-term pitcher in Baltimore. But, you know, if he was asking for, I don't know, Kyler Murray money, I would say he would get that, 
right? Wouldn't you think that he would get that if it, if that was what he was asking for? But maybe he is asking for everything, and, and Baltimore is just not budging right now. So we'll see. Teams obviously can work uh, out a deal with Lamar Jackson. He is his own agent at the moment. He may need an agent. I don't know. We'll see how it works out. But um, teams can talk to him, work out a contract. And if the Ravens don't match, we'll get two first. We'll see what happens. But there's been a lot of teams that have publicly said that they are not interested at all um, in Lamar Jackson, and they're out of the running. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that situation. Adam Thielen's in the news. Odo Beckham Jr.'s in the news. Darius Slay's in the news. Uh, just saw that uh, Bren Graham of the Philadelphia Eagles has opted in uh, to his one-year deal here with Philly. So he opts to stay in Philly out of loyalty instead of testing the free agent market. So it's not all bad for the Eagles, but it could be. And that's it, right? It's so tough to get to the dance. You don't get the win. When will you ever get back? Now, the Eagles do have a nice young core, certainly with Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, and A.J. Brown. But they are going to miss a few pieces defensively as a team that did play really good defense despite uh, not really showing up defensively in the Super Bowl. It can't all just be Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, right? Like, that's the outlier. This guy's been in the AFC Championship game in all five of his full seasons in the NFL. He's been in the Super Bowl three times. He's got two rings. He's got a Super Bowl MVP. He's he's breaking records, uh, and he's still super, super young. But uh, the rest of the teams have to work through it in the offseason, and it does sound, according to reports, the Chiefs will have a, a very similar team. It sounds like they're going to bring back Juju Smith-Schuster, it's a weak wide receiver class. So Jacoby Myers certainly up at the top. But after that, it, it is pretty weak. And Odell Beckham Jr. added to that list as well. Daily Handle the House. Good afternoon means let's go. PTP Albert in the house. Hello, Meanie. We appreciate you guys hanging out here on a Friday. Let's get after a quick break. Couple news items in the NFL, and then we'll bring in Justin Mason. We got a lot of baseball talk here on the show as well. Also, two games on the ice. 11 games on the ice yesterday and two games on the ice tonight. The NHL schedule makers. I don't un- I don't get it. I don't understand it, but you guys know that I got picks and props towards the end of the show for you. So hang tight. That's coming your way. You're watching Mean Streets here on Game Plus Network. Welcome back in. Uh, mean Streets here on Game Plus Network. We're bringing in Justin Mason now. Surprising me, Quan. Justin, my bad. I was going to give you a little bit of a message when we were ready for you. I thought we'd go in the next block. But hey, this is live television here. Welcome in, dude. I know that you are are super busy. It's always busy, but especially at this time of the season as well. Thanks for taking the time here today, man. Happy Friday. Hey, happy Friday, you too. I appreciate having me on. It's, uh, it is a busy time of year, but uh, always down to come on and uh, talk some fantasy baseball with you. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so for those that don't know, this is the man behind the great fantasy baseball invitational, also the co-host of the Sleeper and the Bus podcast over at Fangraphs. Now you got your handprints all over a lot of things these days, dude. Why don't you tell us about the great base, the great fantasy baseball invitational, how it started, how it came about, and how it's really grown here? What is this? Uh year number what for for you? Oh God. I mean, I guess this has got to be year number six. Um, so I, I was talking to my wife, uh, you know, a few, a couple days before the drafts uh, started and she was like, what year is this? And I was like, you know, and I had to do the math and I do the math by like figuring out who's won the overall. And like, and so I was like, wow, it's been six years. It's crazy. Uh, it started um, really a little selfishly as a way for me to try to like prove that I was as good a player as I thought I was comparatively speaking to a lot of other big names in the industry. Because when I first got in the industry, like, I didn't have any thoughts of, like, ever being in a tout wars or a labor or anything like that. Like, I just thought I was unknown in this big sea of fantasy analysts. 
Um, and I was like, so what's the way I can prove like on a big stage that I'm a pretty good player? And so I kind of came up with the idea of TGFBI and FBC had really started to kind of take off uh, in uh, like the lexicon of the industry. I was like, let's put together an overall contest uh, that gets as many people in the industry as possible. And I thought like the first year, like I'd may maybe get 45 people and ended up getting like 135 people. Uh, and this year it's 435 wow. people. So like it has just grown and grown um, and really just, I mean, it's a real testament to the industry as a whole. I mean, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, a lot of the big names, the majority of the big names in the industry who are willing to kind of come on and, and let some little guys take shots at them. And we've had, you know, guys like Todd Zola and Clay Link win, uh, you know, proving like these big names deserve to be big names. And then we've had kind of newer people kind of emerge. And so it's just a really, really cool industry contest. Yeah, it really is. And TG FBI on the Twitter machine. And as you have in your profile, the largest collection of industry leagues in fantasy baseball. It's super cool, man. It's a lot of fun. We've had some some casual players jump in on this show when talking about the draft. And, you know, it's it's super nice for them as well to kind of draft with maybe some of their favorite analysts or just kind of be into that space as well and learn a thing or two. Because I know a lot of people are, you know, talking about it on a lot of their podcasts, Justin. And, and you were taking stops and trips around all of those podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, uh, a time of year where I get to talk to a lot of people, uh, but it is, it's just such a cool uh, opportunity for a lot of people in the industry. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, there's, there's a few people. It's not like the Scott Fish, Bull Scott Fish, like he lets in so many people who are not in the industry where I think they, I mean, I think I'd be close to like 2000 people in Scott Fish Bull uh, at this point. Uh, I let a few people in by like winning satellite leagues. Uh, which are kind of like entry level leagues to try to, you know, get your way in. Or sometimes I give away some spots at Potapalooza each year. So, uh, but the vast majority of, pe of it are people in our industry. Yeah. How can people get in next year? Uh, if they want to get in, why don't you tell people how they could maybe, um, you know, take part in the future? So if you are in the industry in any capacity, if you write, you podcast, um, you know, you, you, uh, edit, you know, work for other people. Uh, you know, I've had people like behind the scenes at like FanDuel and DraftKings, um, you know, that do like back end work and stuff. Being so that automatically gets you in any sort of industry work, you just submit a link uh, to it uh, when you sign up at tgfai.com. Uh, if you're not in the industry, you either have to win your way in through a satellite, which you can sign up at for uh, at tgfbi.com or through a, like a raffle entry at Potapalooza, which is, you know, a charitable event. I try to use my platform to raise money for charity every year. Uh, you know, we do that through the TGFBI and TGFBI satellites as well as Potapalooza. I love it. And one thing that I noticed that you're you're doing as well, um, our good friend, Dan Strafford, uh, I used to work with him. He used to be on this on this network at Game Plus Network, Anthem Sports and Entertainment. We used to uh, work together and, and such a great dude and unfortunately lost his wife, Kim. And and something that you were doing is donating half of the TG FBI donations to him and his family. I mean, that's just fantastic. I really do um, love you doing that for him. And I know he was as close to you as well. And um, we're going to put a link inside the description of this video here. And I know there's a GoFundMe page as well yeah. to maybe a little bit of that. And and we love Dan here on the show and we wish him all the best. I mean, Dan is just a genuinely great person. I've known him since pretty much I came into the industry. Uh, and uh, he's just a genuinely funny, great guy uh, and uh, lost his wife to cancer, um, you know, hard fought bot uh, battle. But he's also got three young kids like, you know, 
13, eight and five, I think. Like, um, and so like, yeah, he's, he's going to need some help. And one of the beauties of having, you know, a platform like TGFBI uh, is you can put it to good use and the fantasy industry oh, has rallied around him and I hope continues rally. If you can spare, even if it's just a dollar or two, go to that GoFundMe, donate because he is just an amazing person going through a really, really tough time. Uh, he deserves everybody's support. Absolutely. Well said, Justin. And we, I, again, thank you for, for everything that you do in this industry and, and really just focusing on, on Dan and his family as well. Yeah. It, it goes a long way, dude, for sure. And I would echo that if you could do anything to help out, uh, that would be fantastic. Well, taking a look at a lot of the drafts and there's still some going on. I was doing a show yesterday and somebody popped on and said, listen, me, you're on the clock. Stop messing around. I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. I don't want to be that guy. Um, that everybody is waiting on. Is there anything that you've seen when you've kind of scanned through? Maybe you want to talk about your team. Uh, is there like any surprises that you've seen? I know Jacob DeGrom is a big discussion point always. Like, you know, people maybe really aggressively taking him or, you know, maybe falling down a lot further than you thought. Like what stands out when you're scanning some of these drafts? Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, so usually TGFBI, because it's got a, such a big public profile, like people make crazy picks just to get talked about. <laughs> and that really hasn't happened this year. We haven't had, oh. like, a guy go in the first round that really doesn't deserve it. I think the only one I've seen that has really surprised me uh, was, like, Adolis Garcia went 18th overall in a draft, which is way too high, in my opinion. Uh, but, like, it wasn't insane um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so, like, I, like, for the most part, like, TGFBI, like, has been pretty like in sync with a lot of NFC drafts that we've seen. And so like, I, I mean, even did a, I did a podcast earlier today with uh, Paul and uh, Paul Sporer, uh, my ghost and sleeper of the bust and Eric Samolsky uh, of the catcher's corner. Um, and like the guys we talked about that were much different, like really wasn't that big of a deal. I think what, what surprised me is we're, what we're not seeing. And we're not seeing like the big rise in starting pitching that usually starts happening right around this time of year and we may still see that we saw carlos rodon go down that'll help art you know uh, artificially raise some prices uh but maybe we don't see as big of a jump in the starting pitching prices as we usually do because the starting pitching pool is so much deeper than it has been in years past so uh you know like i to me it's not so much like what we saw but what we didn't see yeah and that's been the talk really in the off season was is how deep the the starting pitching is and i've heard a lot of people you know some people high you know successful high stakes players have come on here and said you know there's there's certainly some value outside the top few rounds to kind of hammer home some pitchers maybe between rounds five and eight and nine to get a couple solid arms there but also matt medica jumped on here yesterday and he's saying he's starting to see a little bit of the the rise or the pitchers being pushed up what's your strategy when it comes to maybe high stakes you know attacking starting pitching so I think, I mean, what I've been doing so far has been waiting on starting pitching. Like I, I very, very rarely taken a starting pitching pitcher in the first three rounds. Honestly, I've often taken a reliever, a closer before I've ever taken a starting pitcher. But usually I'm going hitting, hitting, hitting the first three rounds and then kind of making my rotation start with, you know, Alec Manoa and Zach Gallant and then pairing guys. Um, but I also like to kind of do what the market isn't doing. And if the market's not going to push up these guys, and Modica is a really good example of someone who's talked about, like, 
the top end starting pitcher, and we're talking about the top end, we're talking about like the top, you know, three to five pitchers, they give you such an advantage on the rest of the pool. There's a reason why these guys get pushed up into the first round uh, or first two rounds of drafts. If if other people aren't going to do it, then I will. Like if I'm sitting, I got the Bar Fleet draft um, on Saturday, I'm sitting at 12. If Burns makes it to me at 12, I'm not hesitating on picking no. them there. Like, and I think that's the real thing. Like, often people like they, they fall into these runs and they go, oh, look what the market's doing. I've got to do the same thing. And I think where you get the advantage is often not doing what the market is doing, right. kind of doing the opposite. So I'm kind of waiting to see what the market does. And I do market uh, reports over at Fangraphs to kind of keep up on that. And if it if it change if it doesn't change, if people keep pushing that hitting, then I'm gonna start grabbing some pitching. I do notice that you certainly the outfielders tend to dry up pretty quickly, right? Especially in a 15 teamer. If you don't attack the outfield position, you know, semi early, you know, you could certainly get yourself into trouble. I wanted to talk to, to you about the top of the board because this feels like a unique year because in the past you could make a case for maybe two or three guys go, you know, Trout was number one for years. And of course, you know, not even really a first round pick anymore, certainly not in a 12 teamer, but Justin, I think you can make the case for what Aaron Judge, Ronald Lacuna Jr., Julio Rodriguez. I've seen Jose Ramirez, Shohei Otani. Like that's the I think even Tucker is a min pick of two. Jordan Alvarez is a min pick of two. Trey Turner's a min pick of one. There's at least six or seven guys, roughly, over at NFBC over the last six weeks that have gone first overall. If you had first overall pick, who would you take? Um, I think I'm gonna take Jose Ramirez. Uh but this is why I don't want the first overall pick. I, I don't even <laughs> want a top five pick. I feel like I can um, go and like pick eight, nine and still get a guy that is, you know, viable for the top overall pick. And then I get an earlier second round pick. And I think there's a real drop off in the second round or, you know, between picks 20, 25 area where there's a, there's drop off to that next tier. And so like, I think I want to be, towards the back end. I think a lot of people would go, well, I want to pick towards the front. I'm just going to, as Modica calls it, you know, straight butter, right? I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to rank my choices one through 15. Uh, and I think I'm, I think I'm more like, Hey, I want to pick towards that back half and really get one of the you know, two of those guys that are in my top 20 uh, because uh, yeah, 27, 28, like those are, those picks aren't really enticing to me. And I love hearing you say about maybe attacking the closer position earlier, you know, getting that reliever because you just can't compete in a rotisserie league. If you don't have saves, it's tough. You know, of course, after the top 15, maybe you're playing a little bit of a guessing game with certain guys and there's going to be some committees and, you know, you're active on the waiver wire throughout the season and people that are just playing, you know, their standard head to head formats and things like that. But you really can't compete. Can you, if you don't have yourself a top 10 closer, at least a top 10 guy. Like this old moniker that Matthew Barry, you know, used to kind of say like, don't pay for saves. Right. Um, Yeah. You're going to pay for saves one way or another. You're paying for them at the draft table or you're paying for them in fab. And I want to spend my fab plugging holes or filling for injuries um, or getting like the next top prospect that just got called up. I don't want to spend my fab chasing saves all year because everybody's doing that anyways. Even if someone has two established closers, they're still putting money on saves in fab. So I'd much rather leave with two established guys for my draft and then I can play around with dollar bids on, on, you know, a guy I think might get into the role later, as opposed to like, I'm going to wait and I'm, oh, I'm just going to get a committee guy and I'll figure it out in fab. Those work in your 10 team home leagues. They don't work in really, you know, experienced or savvy leagues. 
I learned that the hard way a couple of years ago. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was that player a few years ago that didn't want to pay for, you know, saves. I'd get myself a top tier guy, maybe a top 10, maybe somebody I felt like could be a top 15 outside the top 20. But if it doesn't work out, you know, it really could ruin your draft. Is there a name that comes to mind outside of maybe the top 10, somebody that you have a lot of shares of or somebody that's, you know, on your radar in drafts? Um, I mean, Alexis Diaz is a guy going kind of outside the top 10 that isn't being treated like he's an established closer, but not only is he established closer, I mean, he's got the upside of his brother, Edwin Diaz, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he gets real strikeout stuff. Uh, if you're looking like really deep, um, you know, Michael Fulmer might be the closer in Arizona. Like, so if you are one of those people like, well, I'm just going to get closers at the end. I think he is going to emerge from that group. Uh, you know, in, in Arizona as a guy that is super cheap. Uh, Carlos Estevez going outside the top 15. I think he's probably the dude in Los yeah. Angeles. So just don't mess with the like the messy situation. The White Sox situation is a nightmare right now. Like don't mess with those ones. Oh yeah. As a Halos guy, uh, hopefully the bullpen is all right this year. And Estevez has had some struggles, but I do believe he's going to be the guy there uh, this year as well. And I don't want to say that he's free, but he is uh, going a little bit later than some of the other closers uh, in baseball. Speaking of Arizona, let's take a quick break. If you don't mind, I want to talk to you a little bit about the NL West. I feel like San Fran is close to home. Giants is close to home? It is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Following you over the past few years. Uh, I feel like they are. So I want to touch on a couple of Giants players. So hang tight if you don't mind, Justin. Quick commercial break. We'll be back in a couple. Hang tight. You're watching Mean Streets here live on Game Plus Network, presented by So Rare, Chris Meany and Justin Mason. Justin Mason, FWFB on the Twitter machine, the creator of the great fantasy baseball invitational at TGFBI, also the co-host of the Sleeper and the Bus podcast over at Fancrafts. You mentioned Spore. Love him. Great. You guys are great yeah. together. Great deal. Duo. I've had him as well on the show in the past. Uh, man, big gamer. Big gamer, right? Mm -hmm. He's uh, Man, he's fantastic And when it comes to MLB The Show. Speaking of... TGFBI. I wasn't going to do this with you, but selfishly, you're the expert. I got to show you my draft for a second. I got to, I got to show it to you. And you, by all means, pick it apart, dude. We talked about closers. I'm not going to be able to compete because Pete Fairbanks was my first closer. I got Jorge Lopez at the end. I got a couple of maybe late sleepers that I'll, I'll attack a little bit later on. I went with Julio Rodriguez at pick four. I told myself I wasn't going to do Spencer Strider, and then I was like, I ah, just some sucker for his upside. So I did go Strider, Lindor, I'll. Albie's in there. Christian Javier uh, rolled the dice on Freddie Peralta. I got Jeffrey Springs and things. Walk me through this squad. Tell me where I'm weak, where maybe you would have went a different way. And by all means, like, give it to me, man. I, you, you could tell me straight how it is. It's all good. I'm going to be real honest. All right. I yes. don't like your pitching. Uh, it's And it's okay. not like any individual player. I think every individual player makes a lot of sense. It's the way you put them together. You've got, just like, you know, all this upside, but a lot of downside too. Like what if Spencer Strider doesn't get the amount of innings you need him to, to kind of rack up all those uh, categories? You know, I love Christian Javier, but he's very similar to like, you know, Spencer mm -hmm. Strider. And if, you know, the two pitch thing becomes an issue for either of them, that's a, you know, big problem. Then the, you know, then you pair with those guys like Blake Snell, who hasn't thrown more than 120 innings in each of the last two seasons, Freddie Peralta, who is iffy health-wise, like uh, Patrick Sandoval could be a whip problem. He's had back issues before Pablo, or uh, no, that's Jorge Lopez. Uh, but like, I just don't like all that risk. That I wish like instead of maybe a Javier, you took like a Zach Gallen or Kevin Gosman or an Alec mm -hmm. Manoa, like an innings horse type dude to pair with Strider. I think that would have 
made your rotation feel a little bit better. Uh, I'm just not a big fan of like Xander Bogarts like this year. I just, I think he is really going to be hurt by that San Diego park. I think once Tatis is back, he's going to move down the lineup. So that's kind of a pick. Uh, I didn't really love, love your offense. Other than that though, like your, your yeah, offense you, outside of that is, is pretty nice. And, and I, 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 this is why I love it, man. Giving it to me straight. And you're right. Even when I took Snell, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like I'm not even a huge Snell guy. You know, we went through moments last year was really good, but you mentioned the innings and there's been some command issue for him. And then I doubled down like with a guy as well. And Peralta who's coming off, you know, injury plagued season as well. So I did shoot for some upside, certainly a lot of risk there. Uh, Xander, it, it kind of feels like a safe guy, but you're right. Is it, how, what's the ceiling like? He doesn't have a ton of power. Maybe he gives me a good average. It's a good lineup, but he's not going to hit near the top of it. Uh, so I do appreciate your honesty. Is there an arm or two that... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You, you mentioned Zach Gallen, and, and, you know, I think you mentioned maybe... Um, I don't know. Was it was it Gossman in there as well? Mm-hmm. Even Luis Castillo is a guy a little yeah. bit safer. Are there other names uh, pitching that you have a few shares of that you feel are potentially the ceiling is just as high, but maybe a safer floor? Yeah, I think Alec Manoa is, is the dude, uh, mm-hmm. and I know that the projection systems don't like him nearly as much as I do. But I also don't think they can account for one the fact like that he is so good with command uh, and control. Uh, and just like, and he's a horse, like he's a guy like you can pretty much pencil in for 200 innings of really good ratios. I do think there's more strikeout upside uh, in that arm than we've seen uh, the last uh, couple of years as well. Plus, it, they can't account for that dog in him. Like he, and, and I hate that phrase. I think it's such a dumb phrase. But like, if anybody epitomizes it, it's Alec Manoa. Like the dude is just mean on the mound uh, and a little bit nuts. And I kind of like that in a starting pitcher, especially a young guy like him. So. He's on a good team, going to win a lot of games. Alec Manoa has like been one of my most drafted guys this year in terms of like the upper-tier starters. We previewed the Jays on Monday, and I actually echoed that same thing. I mean, on average, over the last six weeks, Manoa and Gossman, like they're going side-by-side, side, and I said the same thing. I thought there was more strikeout upside with Alec, despite like a double-digit K per nine for Gossman, you know, in each of the last four years in good command. I just feel like there's still... Uh, more potential to be untapped when it comes to Alec Manoa. Man, the Blue Jays do have themselves a really good roster, a great rotation, and some great bats. One more thing here before we get out of this draft. Otani, what, how do you treat Shohei Otani in this format? Like, uh, are you interested? Are you, do you have any shares? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've been drafting Otani a ton, especially because I have been like eight. And, you know, in your draft, you went eight. In my draft, I had eight. I took Otani. Uh, I I honestly think like there's a real argument for him to be one of those guys going first overall. Uh, I know in a weekly league, and while well, NFBC you can switch hitters out on Fridays, you, you can't with Otani if you're going to go from pitching to hitting, right? So you have to treat him like it's a weekly league. He gives you such an advantage to be able to change him from a hitter to a pitcher mid-season if you need pitching or vice versa. Uh, I mean, that's like getting a trade in an NFBC. Like, there is no trades, right? But you can trade Otani for, you know, his hitting stats to his pitching stats and like really bull, a bolster your team, not to mention with the Angels likely having him only this year, uh, 
I think they're going to be a lot less conservative with his innings. They're going to let him get two start weeks. And, and Otani gets two start weeks and is a hitter. Like, he's going to become really, really valuable. Uh, I mean, obviously, in daily moves formats, he's the number one pick in every, you know, daily moves format. Yeah. But even in weekly, like, he's in the argument, you know, to be a, you know, first, second, third overall pick in fantasy. And he doesn't go there. He's likely gone, right? Yeah. I mean, the Angels don't make the playoffs. If they're not near a playoff spot come trade deadline, what are you doing, right? And he gets moving. traded. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he gets traded to a team like the Dodgers. Maybe, yeah, maybe the Dodgers. Like, I don't know where he would end up specifically because it has to be a team that doesn't have, like, an established DH. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, like, yeah, I mean, if, if they're not competing at the deadline, then he's going to be somewhere else. And that place isn't going to worry about limiting his innings either they're going to try to get as much out of him as possible it's amazing that the angels can't flirt with the playoffs with those two i mean it's such a team sport right i know people like come in and say oh you know in in hockey or in nba when you have two mvp candidates inside the top two or five or ten i mean those teams are competing but it just goes to show how much of a team sport it really is and some injuries that have been plagued in the organization and and really the staff in the bullpen just hasn't been good enough to support trout notani it should be though this year. At least the staff should be. I don't. The bullpen, I think, maybe still a little bit shaky, uh, but you can make do with bullpen. You know, pieces emerge. Uh, but like the rotation should be a lot better this year if they don't make the playoffs or at least aren't fighting for the playoffs. That that team is just cursed. Like they should just yeah. move out of Anaheim and, and go somewhere <laughs> else because there's like there's some bad juju or something there. You got two generational talents. Um, and just a loaded roster top to bottom. I really like them uh, this year. Uh, but I, I like them. I, I said they were going to win the division last year, and they didn't even come close. No, they didn't. A few of us liked them on the show last year as well. We talked about the rise maybe with the Mariners, but I, I thought that they should have been much better. But again, it was injuries, and even a guy like Rendon hasn't really given them anything over the past couple of years. But I do like some of the piece of rotation. I mean, we talked about Sandoval. There's still some upside there. Detmers a little bit as well. Tyler Anderson is he's not going to give the same sort of numbers this season as he did, you know, with the Dodgers, but he's still a guy that can give you a lot of innings. Right. And, and and things like that. So I think it's a, I think it's a much better rotation. I think people are sleeping on Tyler Anderson. Like he's going to regress like, but like a little bit. Yeah. To the extent where he's now going outside the top 200 picks, this feels so much like, and and, and I just wrote it up for fantasy pros, uh, like, like Adolis Garcia last year, where like everybody saw these red flags. They were valid red flags. But then people just pushed him all the way down. He started going outside 200. They're like, well, now he's a value. Um, and I feel like Tyler Anderson's that guy this year where, yes, the hate is deserved. He's going to a worse team. Um, he won't have the Dodgers, like, you know, really, really great staff. But, like, he's not going to forget how to pitch because he moves, you know, right. 60 minutes down the road. Like, <laughs> he he doesn't give up, you know, home runs. He doesn't give up walks. Like, he's still going to be pretty darn good. And I think a huge value in drafts right now. Yeah, and a good ballpark for him as well. Talking about safety, right? Maybe one of those guys that can give you a little bit uh, of some innings too. Justin, if you don't mind, one more break, dude. I'm sorry. Just got to keep yeah. the balance of the show. I love this conversation. Going to wrap up with a little bit of Giants talk here next on Mean Streets. Keep her locked. Welcome back in. Chris Meany and Justin Mason here, the man behind TGFBI. You can also find him over at Fangraphs. Let's talk about the NL West. Of course, the Dodgers are up at the top over 100, what, 111 wins last year. Just another year 
for the Dodgers. Uh, the Padres check in at a 93.5 win total. You see LA favored to win this division. I found the best possible odds using Prop Shop over at FTMBets.com. A couple different win totals for some of these teams, but 95.5, the lowest. I see some 96.5s out there. Pretty high number uh, to be taking the over, even as good as the Dodgers are. The Giants check in at 80.5, 12 to 1 to win the division, 81 and 81 last season. Some longer shots, the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think they got some nice players. Uh, the Rockies are, are in for a long season for sure. The Rockies organized. Organization. I can never f- figure them out, dude, over the past few years. I just haven't liked a lot of uh, some of the moves that they've made inside the front office. But nonetheless, I want to chat to you about the Giants because it seems like every other year this team is like right there. Uh, I don't know how you feel about some of the offseason moves, how you feel about this win total at 80.5. Actually, before we get there, is this the Dodgers division to lose or you think the Padres, when they get to tease back and company, if the rotation can stay healthy, do you think that they could uh, win this division? Yeah, I think the Padres are going to win this division. Um, nice. And uh, their lineup is just so loaded. And while I know losing Musgrove uh, is definitely going to hurt, he's only supposed to miss like two to three starts. Um, and that rotation is pretty darn good, especially if Blake, if Blake Stout stays healthy. Oh, yeah. Like they could run away with this division. Um, and the Dodgers took a real step back. Like they they are clearly gearing up for 2024 to go get Otani. Uh, and they were like, we're going to let the Padres spend their money now and we're going to go get Otani next, uh, you know, next winter. Um, and there's a lot of holes in that Dodgers rotation, in that Dodgers uh, uh, lineup that we're not used to seeing. This is not a 100 win team. Um, honestly, I'm going to take the under on the Dodgers wins. Love it. Uh, I'll probably take the under on the Giants. I definitely take the under on the Giants ones. I don't. I don't think the Giants win, but I'm gonna massively hit the over on the Diamondbacks ones. I think the Diamondbacks are legitimately good and could actually end up being better than the Dodgers this year. Nice. I like that call as well. As I mentioned, a couple of like really intriguing pieces on you know on that team. I love Zach Allen, man. Like that guy, yeah. you know, I, I you should have drafted him, obviously. <laughs> uh, but I do like him overall as a player. I mean, he was fantastic. He's been fantastic really since he's came in, you know, uh, into the league. He's been a guy that you can just kind of count on some innings and some strikeouts. Uh, he went for, like there was a stretch, I, I believe, where it was like 17 of 20 starts was like three runs or fewer, just like basically automatic from from Gallon. Um I agree on the Dodgers as well, man, that I don't understand. I hear reports that Padres are going to be in on Otani. I just don't know how, if you're paying all those guys and then Juan Soto as well, like where are you getting this money from? I mean, if the Padres have not proven, I think the Rangers are helping the argument, but uh, if the Padres have not proven that there's no such thing as a small market <laughs> team, right? Like yeah. it, what, five, six years ago, we were talking, Oh, the Padres can't afford to compete with the Dodgers. Yeah, they any team can afford to compete with any team, uh, and the and the Padres have proven that. Like they just don't care because they know if they're good, like the Dodgers have been, like the Yankees have been in the past, even like the Giants have been recently. Like you're gonna make that money back from the fans, uh, and so uh, yeah, they should. They should absolutely go for every every team should be on in on every player, uh, and the fact that there are so many teams in baseball crying poor, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it really is. Let's bring up the Giants roster, uh, Quan, if you don't mind. So 
uh, again, from NFBC. Uh, for the iTunes listeners, I'll read a couple names off here, but if you're watching on Game Plus Network, so I just have uh, in brackets the ADP over at NFBC leagues, high-stakes leagues over the last six weeks, and then like Logan Webb, pitcher number 32, and that was the starting pitcher number 32 on average. You know, Mitch Hanniger on average, outfielder 39, pick 169, Jock Peterson there. Michael Conforto, Sean Manaya now, who's been in Cali his whole career, right? Oakland, San Diego, and now in San Fran. Uh, Ross Stripling, I know two-catcher format there. Joey Bart, potentially uh, an option for you and for others. Alex Cobb, we've been giving a lot of love to on the show over the past year, so I think he's an underrated arm. Uh, who jumps out off the page? Players you're intrigued about, maybe you want some shares of. Mitch Hanniger, now a member of the Giants as well. Uh, I mean, you know, the sad part as a Giants fan myself is there's not many I want. Um, I really like Tyro Estrada uh, because I think there's a chance he's either hitting second or first in this lineup, depending on if they're up against a righty or a lefty. Uh, he's got enough pop uh, to play, uh, but he's got some good speed, stole 21 bases last season. Uh, and so, like, and he's dual eligible, right? Second base, shortstop. It's always nice to have those uh, multi eligibility guys. Uh, outside of that, you know, Manai is interesting because of the increased velocity in spring training. But the problem with the Giants pitchers, because usually you want to target Giants pitchers, right? It's a great park to pitch in. They've, you've, they've done a really, really great job of these reclamation projects uh, in San Francisco, kind of getting more out of these older vets uh, that if either struggle with health or just struggle with performance. The defense is really, really bad. And it was the worst defense in baseball last year. And it somehow got worse losing you know guys like like longoria and belt and things like that so um i know like the most common article podcast topic last year was alex cobb's unlucky by low by low yeah. um, he was unlucky because the defense let him down they're going to continue to let him down and so while he may get some kind of regression in terms of a positive regression in terms of getting a little bit luckier it's not going to like, you're not going to see like the underlying statistics, you know, those really nice like X fifths and, and Sierra is like actually come to play and fruition in his ERA because the Giants are so bad defensively. Um, and so I really want to caution people of like, hey, don't overspend on, you know, a Giants pitcher just because they're a Giants pitcher, uh, especially because all these guys, for the most part, rely on a lot of ground balls that infield defense really, really bad. Uh, and the outfield defense is even worse somehow. Um, I, I'm staying away from pretty much all Giants pitchers. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, right? I mean, the ground ball rate, I think it was like 62% uh, last year for Cobb, but defensively, maybe not the strongest team. Seen the ERA 3.73 in the XFIP, uh, sub sub three at 2.89. Manai is a guy that, you know, I feel like there's some upside, right? Um, we'll see if he can put, if he can put it together. You mentioned maybe the velocity and things like that, if health can be okay. Conforto is interesting. Jock Peterson, interesting, but not guys that, you know, you're going to feel too great about in your everyday lineups. I think there's probably a little bit more upside maybe for power when it comes to, uh, to Jock Peterson. If you could chuck that board up one more time, Quan, I think there was one name. Yeah. Logan Webb. Is he just a better real life pitcher than a fantasy guy? Is that, is that fair to say? I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for this. Guy. I think he's fantastic, but um, you know, he's not going to be a, a strikeout per inning guy. Is is it just too steep of a price, you know, roughly at 116? 
I think it is too steep of a price. And I mean, maybe we see him go for the strikeouts more. He hasn't in spring training, uh, maybe, you know, but uh, there was always this thought he was going to strike out a guy in inning. Um, and then he kind of went for a little bit more ground ball contact approach, get out of innings quickly. And maybe with the new shift rules and the bad defense behind him, you think, oh, maybe he'll go for the strikeouts. But we haven't seen in spring training, so I wouldn't project that. Uh, he's just a guy that I like. I don't think he's bad by the interest of imagination, but he just goes a little bit higher. There's other guys around him that I prefer a lot more. Yeah, from a 26% strikeout rate in 2021 to 20% just last yeah. season. Justin, fantastic dude. Uh, I appreciate you know you taking the time here today and, and chopping it up, ripping apart my uh, my fantasy baseball team. <laughs> no, I love it, man. I love it. I knew you were going to do it too. I was like, this is the guy to bring it up. Um, and, and you gave it to me straight, and I really do appreciate it. Links inside the description of this video, guys, uh, to check out Justin on the Twitter machine and make sure you check out all of his work over at Fangraphs. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Uh, good luck with all your drafts this weekend as well. And hopefully we can do this again sometime and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Absolutely. You let me know when you want me back. I'll be here. I uh, love it. Justin Mason, FWFB on the Twitter machine. Also check out TGFBI. More to come here on Mean Streets. We've got some NFL news, get some NHL picks and props. We're going to hit the hardcore as well. We'll be back in a couple. Hang tight. Welcome back in. I want to give Justin just another big thank you, man. Uh, I love what he's doing in the industry and he's bringing everybody closer as a family and it's super fun and exciting to be part of that family as well. Um, so good on Justin Mason. Check him out. Obviously a super sharp uh, baseball mind as well. Can learn a thing or two from Mr. Mason. So some NFL news here. I want to start with Adam Thielen. I don't believe we have a board for this. This is fine. Adam Thielen just uh, reports from Adam Schefter that he is uh, released from the Vikings. So we'll see where he goes. What a really nice run in Minnesota. Undrafted out of Minnesota State. I think he tried out for the Vikings in the mini camp in like 2013. He was signed to play special teams, two-time pro bowler. He was the Vikings man of the year in 2022. And then I saw from Schefter as well, third most receptions, receiving touchdowns in team history. So a phenomenal run for Adam Thielen, always discounted in the fantasy community. You know, I always hear people, oh, he can't get the touchdowns again. He's not going to get those touchdowns again. He's very touchdown dependent, but certainly reliable was definitely, uh, you know, the man for Kirk Cousins inside the end zone over the past three or four seasons. Some really nice games from Adam Thielen. One Turkey Day game stands out against the Lions. He had a couple nice couches. Good, good route runner, some nice hands. I think he does still have, you know, something to offer for a team. So we'll see where he ends up. And, you know, Quan, I don't know if you have the wide receiver free agent board handy, but I would put him up ahead of a lot of names that, you know, are available via free agency. Thank you for this, sir. Like, I'd much rather have him than Aguilar and Richie James and Nico Harmon's, you know, uh, some upside there. You know, speedy burner guy who started to kind of trend up in the offense last season before the injury. DJ Charks, Slayton, Mac Hollins. I think I'd rather have Adam Thielen, you know, on a team that's ready to win now. Like maybe the Cowboys, maybe the Buffalo Bills. Those are two, those are two teams that come to mind. Heck, Baltimore, go get a wide receiver, right? You know, we've talked about the Ravens over the past couple of weeks. But Juju Smith-Schuster, Jacoby Myers, Alan Lazar, Paris Campbell uh, headlining. And, and to me, the best on the board is Jacoby Myers. It all sounds, and, and it sounds like Juju Smith-Schuster, TikTok boy, will be back in Kansas City. And you can add Odell Beckham Jr. to the list as well. He is reportedly going to work out today in Arizona. There are going to be a few teams 
interested in Odell Beckham Jr. There's no question. I still think he has something to offer as well. I mean, before the the season-ending injury that he suffered in the Super Bowl, man, he was really trending up in that offense. I mean, we were talking about him. Man, he was like three and a half catches plus money, four and a half catches plus money. Uh, He was fantastic in the last few games, and he was having a heck of a Super Bowl as well before he went down in that game. So we'll see where he lands. Again, Buffalo, Dallas, these are teams that come to mind. The Cowboys really need something opposite of CeeDee Lamb. They're not going to be able to bring back Dalton Schultz, who's been a big player in the offense over the past couple of seasons. Michael Gallup just disappointed last year coming off the, the knee injury, and you know he didn't start the season on time, so maybe that had something to do with it, but kind of disappointing, right? I don't think Michael Gallup's really the answer to be the number two, and I don't know if Odell Beckham Jr. is in Dallas either, but he could offer a lot to a team. Like, if you went to the Bills... You know, I'd be excited about it from a, a real-life standpoint. Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, got to draft Odell Beckham Jr., but, you know, linked to Josh Allen, a good offense opposite of, you know, Stefan Diggs. I think it would be a good overall fit. We'll see where he does land. And then the other news item is Darius Slay uh, is in the news. Now, he didn't request a trade from the Philadelphia Eagles, but the Eagles are giving him permission to seek a trade Darius Slay has given up 11 touchdowns in three seasons with the Eagles he had a great year it just this past season allowed 47 catches five touchdowns three interceptions uh he had the big shutdown game against Justin Jefferson and did not give up 100 yards despite really facing a lot of top corners I do believe there is a board there Quan but it's all good um Darius Slay we'll see what happens he's got one year left on his contract and this was, um, you know, from, I forget the podcast now, it's slipping my mind off the top of my head. I think it's my Montgomery and Company quote. Here it is. I found it here from John Clark. Uh, it, the quote was that he wants to remain a Philadelphia Eagle, um, but he also wants to get paid. So here it is. Uh, quote, I want an extension with the Eagles. I love the Eagles. I love that money. So, of course, I'm going to be talking about it this offseason. That's everyone's. That's what, I mean, it's tough to really kind of, you know, break down what NFL players say. It's the grammar of the sentences doesn't make sense. But that's what I'll do when we've got one year left on our deal. I think he means that's what we all do. That's what all NFL players do. Potentially, that's what they all do when they have a year left. So he does have a year left on that deal. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't know if they trade him or not. You know, you're going to lose Bradbury. Bradbury is going to be out the door in, in the NFL mock. We have the Eagles taking a cornerback at pick 10. You know, he's certainly still elite. I'm sure the Eagles would like to restructure his contract and keep him hanging around, but he's had a couple elite seasons in a row. And if it's one more elite season this year, you know, he's definitely going to earn top bucks, uh, top payment there as well. Quan got booted, but you're back just in time to give us the board. Presented by So Rare, and to put us to a commercial break, we got NHL picks next on Mean Streets. Back in a couple. Welcome back in. Eleven games on the ice yesterday, so only two today, right? Which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But you guys know I got some NHL picks and some props for you. Just wanted to start here with Tyler Hero, actually in the NBA. Go ahead, leave that up. It's all good, Quan. Tyler Hero in the NBA. I do like him. It's my one NBA pick. I keep going back to him. We had him the other day. Over two and a half threes is minus one twenty-two over at FanDuel, minus one thirty-five over at Caesars. So that's why Prop Shop really is your friend. You can save yourself a lot of time. You know the minutes are there. He's like flirting with forty every other night. He's had three. Uh, four straight games, at least three trays from beyond the arc. So he's a guy that usually jacks up five or six. So I'm going to take that almost every single time with those odds. But for tonight on the ice, two massive favorites here 
you know, you have the Calgary Flames against the Anaheim Ducks and you know, the Flames at five and five are one of the best five and five teams in the NHL in terms of generating shots, shot attempts, high danger chances, scoring chances. Now they don't score a lot of those goals, but the Ducks are number one in the NHL, according to natural statric in terms of allowing shot attempts, shots, high danger chances, scoring chances. They have the highest expected goals against rate in the NHL of five and five per 16. Of course, they've allowed the most goals. And I made the joke with my buddy. I mean, John Gibson, we've said it on this show about the, the rubber that he sees. You got a buddy that works at Michelin. Uh, he doesn't see as much rubber as whoever the heck the ducks roll in at night and net night in and night out. So a couple guys like Tyler Foley's a little bit juiced. Mikhail Backlund's at three and a half. I do like those guys maybe to hit their shot prop, but uh, Jonathan Huberdo has got to be an opportunity for him. Maybe to pick up a point or pick up an apple. He's got a 30 assists, 12 goals in the season. He's not having a good season. Not at all. I mean, he's nowhere close to the campaign that he had with the Florida Panthers last year, well over a hundred points. Is this guy even going to crack 50 points this year? He may not. It's a different situation. His ice time is completely down. Uh, he's not surrounded about a talented around a talented player like Alexander Barkov. Uh, it just doesn't seem like a really good fit, to be honest with you. Two assists over his last two games, plus 130 for an apple tonight. So I'm going to ride that one out. And inside that same game, uh, Mason McTavish has actually been pretty good. Um, for the Anaheim Ducks. It's like one of this, like not a lot of duck players. Trevor Zegers had a phenomenal between the legs goal the other day. Uh, but I believe that Markstrom is kind of turning the corner here a little bit. So I don't think Anaheim's going to do too much. If there's a goal scorer out there for the Ducks, it's probably Troy Terry. But Mason McTavish has hit the score sheet in four of his last five games, and he has six points over that span, and five of them have been apples. So I do like him to have a point. As for Sam Bennett, much better on home ice than on the road. Three shots, seven shots over his last two games. I like him to hit the score sheet at minus 128 for a point. Over two and a half shots is slightly juiced at minus 145. And then Carter Haggy for an assist at plus 170 playing with Matthew Kachuk. Uh, and he is a little juiced to have two points. So Vegas is thinking he's going to get a couple points. I think for Haggy may get a couple as well. He is my guy. Plus 174 and assist tonight. Good luck on the ice. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Cheers.